What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast. This is Clark. And Bobby Jean. So glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Clark and Bobby are here with you guys again. Hey, what's up, everyone? We're nearing the 100th podcast. How crazy is that? Whoa. That's super crazy. Two podcasts away, and we hit the century mark. Oh, really? Yeah. This wow. is I think I think this is episode ninety-eight. Okay, you guys, that's that's for real. If you've listened to one hundred episodes, I mean, really, you're the you, wow. You're Thank the real you. hero here. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, today, though, we're actually going to focus a little bit on the upcoming sermon and uh, what Clark's going to be preaching on Sunday. So mm-hmm. we're going to step away from our reading just for today, and we're going to talk about um, false teaching. Yeah. And so that's kind of a subject that really, you you know, you could do a whole study on for the entire year and then keep learning. And so that's kind of why we thought, oh, let's touch on it uh, a little bit today. And so that way, maybe you'll be prepped and um, position your heart a little bit for Sunday's message, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And so the text is Matthew 7, verses 15 through 23. And really, it's the story of Jesus saying there are wolves in sheep's clothing Um, and that you have to recognize a false teacher by their fruit. And he says, a good tree bears good fruit, a bad tree bears bad fruit, Hmm. and this is what you need to do. And um, he says there are going to be people that come to him and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? And Hmm. and he's eventually going to say, I don't know you. Hmm. Um, and, And knowing you being like this intimate thing. And so when it comes to false teaching today, like it's... ministries that make a a fame, make a claim for themselves, attacking everybody else is just not, that's not cool. It's not enjoyable. (laughs) But there does come a point in time where you have to defend the faith, especially when other people are taking God's word, uh, misconstruing it, causing confusion, and it's just not helpful. And so I think as we prepare for Sunday, look at this text. One Mm -hmm. of the biggest points of false teaching for the American church in 2020 on is this thing called word theft. And, yeah, and, and word theft is basically where we have used certain words throughout the the historic church and the historic, you know, since Jesus Christ was here. And we use the same vocabulary, but we're using, mm. but some people use a different dictionary and that we mm. use the word love and we define it biblically. Well, there are other Christians now that define the word love differently. Same thing mm. with the Bible is authoritative or it's God's word. You know, one example is love. Love is to the world and now to some Christians, love is an emotion. It's a feeling. It's mm-hmm. it's um, not only tolerating, accepting mm-hmm. everybody and anything, but it's celebrating it and embracing it. Mm-hmm. Where when we look at the Bible, I think we think about like a First John three sixteen. Sure. So yeah. like, this is how we know what love is. Not that we love God. He loved us. He gave Himself for us. Mm-hmm. That's just one example of word theft. Oh, right. For sure. I mean, we, we've talked about that with the, with marriage before too, and how, you know, God, um, created marriage. So God gets to define that too. And so, um, you know, today we, we get to define it however we want. And so Matthew 19 talks about that and says, you know, haven't you read, so speaking back to Genesis, that marriage is a union, a covenant between one man and one woman. Mm -hmm. And so again, that's a, a, an example of word theft where, you know, God, creator of the universe, has given us a definition, and then we, being His creatures, actually say, "No, we're going to redefine it." And so that's a that's a good one too. What did what's this one you wrote down? Good. Oh yeah, people are talking about being good as something that's nice, it's tolerant, it's happy. And you think about Mark and Mark ten, Jesus is talking about only God's good, and He gets to define what is good. And so I think when you talk to other Christians about like, what's the Bible to them? Do you believe the Bible is God's word? And some people would say, "Yeah." 
I would say mm. the Bible is God's word. But yet you look at, and do you believe like the Bible is authoritative? <laughs> yeah, definitely. But then when you read a scripture, um, it's a, <laughs> sorry, our baby's attacking the microphone right now. Quinn, back it up, sister. Um, um, the Bible's authoritative and it's applied differently to our lives and that some take it. I just read a book. I want to do a quick plug on that called Another Gospel by Lisa Childers. And she says that when people ask her, does she read the Bible literally? She says, yes, I read it. I read it literally and that I read it literately because the Bible consists of so many different genres and in it, like you have to interpret different genres, different ways. So you have historic writing, you have that would be like First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. You have wisdom literature that uses lots of metaphors and hyperbole and simile, like the Proverbs or Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. Then you have biographies like Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, writing of Jesus' life. Then you have apocalyptic writing like Revelation and Daniel. So the point is, having that in the back of your mind, you read the scriptures uh, in a different light. The same truth, the same meaning, but... Again, like, hey, go break a leg. As Americans, we know, like, that's like a way, a weird way of saying <laughs> good luck. Or sure, especially if you've been, you know, in show business or if you're a performer in theater or something. Like, that's a totally different meaning there too, for sure. But you had to know about cookies. Well, I think that's just uh, a perfect example of false teaching and just the <laughs> how it's just tricky. And so one of the examples, oh, there's there's a timer going off. Got it. Must be, I must have something in the oven. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and one of the examples that came to my mind right away is, um, and even word theft too, I guess a little bit, is uh, the word cookie. And there's a funny story years ago. My family has a big gathering on Christmas Eve, and it's all of our extended family. Um, sure. Clark's asking if I should leave the food in the oven longer. Oh, you guys. And um, everyone kind of brings, you know, a hodgepodge kind of potluck um, item to this family gathering. And so one night on Christmas Eve, I was I remember being really young, and there's these sugar cookies sitting out. Um, or that's what I thought they were. And I take a bite in them. And if anybody knows the flavoring anise, that is what it was. It was an anise cooking. You guys. AKA the devil's armpit. <laughs> anise flavoring tastes like black licorice. And if you if you guys like uh, anise flavoring, uh, I am so sorry. But my taste right buds now, don't judge. And that that's the one food I can't take. And so, yeah, it's right. You do like everything. So why am I telling you this? Because that cookie um, looks like every other sugar cookie on the table, but it wasn't. It was an anise cookie flavoring. And so it. my mom loves that. It's a special memory for her. That's why she makes them all the time, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, um, that's just a great picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. We see something, but it's not really what we're getting. <laughs> yeah. We talk about love, marriage, good. The Bible's authoritative, but it's word theft. And so here's a quote from Rosaria Butterfield. She's a woman who has struggled and battled same-sex attraction for a long time and now is a prominent leader in the church and has a lot to say and is incredibly helpful as she holds on to orthodox biblical teaching. And this is what she says. We have to fight to reinvent a Christianity that's nice... That fits nicely on the coexist bumper sticker, avoiding the disgrace and shame of the cross for a respectable religion that bows to the idols of our day, consumerism and sexual autonomy. 
This manipulation strategy relies on using biblical words in an anti-biblical way. It shares with biblical Christianity the same vocabulary, but not the same dictionary. And so as I read that, that really resonated with me and the sermon and just that I'm hearing love, I'm hearing marriage, I'm hearing grace, I'm hearing spiritual gifts, but we're talking about two completely Mm. different things. And so, Bobby, I think throughout church history, there's a number of examples from the church when it comes to false teaching and what people are kind of holding on to and confusing people about? Sure. So these might sound familiar to you. I'll just go through a little list here. Um, Some people believe that you have to speak in tongues to be saved. Yeah. Um, Romans 10, 9 says, nope, you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. Exactly. Boom. And so another thing that God's will is for everyone to be kind of the health and wealth gospel. That God's will is for everyone to be healthy and wealthy. But that doesn't really line up even with the life of Jesus or the life of Paul. Those guys are dirt poor. Um, How about speaking things into existence right now? Um, There's this thing called manifesting. I might talk more about that some other time where people believe you can speak what you want into being. Or Romans 4 talks about how God is the only one that can speak life and create things. Um, some people talk about doing what's natural, and like you should have the freedom to do what's natural. Right. Paul talks Isn't that about how we were made? Romans six. It might be permissible, but it does not mean it's beneficial. And uh, don't take advantage of God's grace because that's not helpful either. Um, some people talk about the Bible being a man-made book. It's more guidelines and moral teaching than God's word. The problem is Jesus upholds the scriptures in high regard. It is written, it is written, it is written. God's commanded you. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for all these different things. It's incredible. Now, another one that kind of hit like a couple years ago with Rob Bell's teaching was hell. Right, and, the lack of- Yeah, he says, I don't think there's a hell. I don't think people go there. It's just a human construct. Well, Mark 9, Jesus talks about the unquenchable fire of hell. Hell's talked about oftentimes in Scripture. So uh, the point is, on Sunday, I'm going to talk a little bit about the problem with my truth, uh, questions for the sake of questions, never seeking an answer, how sometimes uh, someone's faith is built on community, friendship, justice, and unity. The problem with that is that it becomes more about what you do and less about what you believe. And it's not that justice, friendship, unity... Are, are bad things. In fact, I think we can all say those are good things, but they're to be fruit of a believer's relationship with Jesus. And so mm. there's that. Anything you want to add? You know, this is all really good and really deep. I think that's why it's important that we that we um, position ourselves in a place of readiness and tenderness to be able to receive, okay, Lord, you know, okay, um, Mark, Romans, First Corinthians, you know, what are you, what are, what are you um, giving me out of this Lord? And so what are we, what are, where yeah, are we going I was gonna from say, here? What's, what's odd about this passage is that Jesus doesn't end his sermon with, and everybody, here's the 10 practical steps for finding a false teacher or you know, whatever. Right. You're like, you'll right, know them by this, by their fruit. Cause he talks about a narrow road in the passage mm. before this. Then he talks about false teachers and then he talks about build your house on the rock. It's so like, all right, all right, I get that. But then he doesn't say again, like, here's the 10 ways, the three ways to do that. And so in it, we're following the Holy Spirit's leading, saying, does this line up with Jesus' teaching? Yeah. Does this line up with the historic Christian faith? Hey, the oven must be done now. Those are the kind of questions we're asking ourselves. And I want to encourage you to ask yourself, the people you listen to when it comes to podcasts, sermons, movies, other books, are the Christian leaders quick to repent of their sins? Are they interested in building God and his kingdom? 
or gaining their own following. So these are these are things that I'm going to encourage us to ask. Mm. But we want to end. We want to end. Bobby, reading First Corinthians 15. This is one of the first creeds to come out of the church regarding the gospel. Yes, First Corinthians 15, one through four. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. All right, with that, we leave you. God bless you. Tune in on Sunday and have a fantastic week. Bye-bye. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace. Have a great day.